0: Sport with Michael Abramson. Mwabilian Glovo, the founder of Cash & Sport, just wondering how bookmakers pinpoint their odds so carefully. Every bookmaker usually has a trading team, and the trading teams would, by one, have, have their own internal odds that they're generally setting, and they would have store algorithms that pick up, based on trends and upcoming matches, what, what it looks like. And then the trading team would also then do a, an analysis across the market to see what other bookmakers are, are, are setting their odds at. Obviously, some bookmakers want to compete with other bookmakers on on the odds. And it is possible that you might find higher odds on one bookmaker than the other. Mm. watch what each other are doing as well.
1: Top Sport on SAFM. Let's go ringside on Top Sport with Michael Abramson on SAFM.
0: Thank you very much, listeners, for your voice notes. So just reminding you, the first season of the new Premier Soccer League in the 1990s won by Manning Rangers, who ended eight points clear of second-place Kaiser Chiefs. Which two teams were relegated in that first season? You've heard a number of teams being mentioned in the voice notes by our various listeners. Keep those voice notes coming in. And also, if you have questions about boxing opinions about boxing please feel free to share your voice notes and we'll put some of them to our guest who joins me now on the line great pleasure to have on the line a man who knows just about everything there is to know about boxing colin nathan boxing promoter trainer man has done it all colin great to have you on the show
2: hey michael thanks for having me on your show it's been a while i know like we've been trying to get this together and I'm um, just very grateful for being a platformer. Good evening to you and the listeners.
0: Thank you so much, Colin. Uh, I must admit that boxing is not one of the sports I'm I'm that clued up about. I'm looking forward to the interview and learning a lot more about the sport. I want to just delve a little bit into your history of, of boxing. What what lit the flame, so to speak, and got you so excited about about the sport when you were growing up?
2: Oh gosh, well, I got a pair of gloves as a gift the Asia of four. Uh, Year, year seven, to take me to a boxing gym to just you know get a taste of the, the sport. But I also used to see my late father coming back like in the wee hours of the morning, wearing mm-hmm. you know his corner tracksuit, the white senior tracksuit and white yes. white <laughs> pants with his white leather shoes. Obviously, we don't wear that anymore. And I would always like go up to him and say, "Daddy, where were you?" And he would say to me, "I was at the boxing." And I'd say, "Oh, can not I come?" And he'd say to me, Colin Key you're still too young. And I nagged and I nagged and mm. yeah, and that was it. I mean, the rest is history. I'm still very much in love with the sport. My love for the sport continues to grow as I as I change lives with positive vibes.
0: Uh, you mentioned the fact that your dad got you interested, of course, the third generation in your family to be involved in the sport. So it's obviously something that grows in the genes, so to speak.
2: Yeah, absolutely. My like, grandfather, who I never had the pleasure of meeting, um, was involved. He had a boxing gym in the New Barclay Hotel many, many moons ago, and he was involved. And my late father got involved in the sports. He was a manager of the hotels, uh, in the hotel industry in Cape Town. And a lot of the fighters and trainers and coaches and so forth, the managers would often stay at the hotel. Right. And my father would eventually, obviously, find a passion for the sport and get roped into it, being in the corner. And he worked with the likes of Bashi Subakwa, Sydney Arrow, Derek Whiteboy, um, some really, really famous names in South African boxing over the years.
0: Colin, you grew up in in Cape Town in the early days from a bucket man in the gym at eight years old or whatever it was to owning your own gym in the early 20s. You, of course, the owner of the Hotbox Gym, which has produced so many big fighters and we're going to talk about that later on. But that's an an incredible progression. Just talk us through how that all happened for you.
2: Wow. Um, Well, I always say that I'm blessed and I'm very lucky and I love hanging out with talent. Um, I just think, I just think, God put me on this earth to to be in the sport. Mm. Uh, I often think that I'm not sure if if I chose boxing. I think boxing chose me. (laughs) But there's nothing better than making a fighter and making a fighter world champion. Or there's nothing better than empowering a fighter. When a fighter comes to you and he literally can't afford a pair of sneakers. And then three, four years later, he's building his parents a house. Right. Or or if, if I said to you that what I do for a living is make millionaires, and, and I really have made millionaires through boxing. It's just been incredible. It's an incredible journey. Uh, it's been a journey that's, that's ever, ever continuing for me. I've never, I, I like the way you introduced me, saying that I, I, there's not much that I don't know. I don't know it all, and I'm never gonna know it all. And I think, that's where i get my strength from is, is that i'm always willing to listen to people and always listen to advice I'm, i might not always agree with the advice mm-hmm. but i'm i'm always willing to to learn and, and i think you know you never stop learning in, in life and, and boxing is no different when you continue to be learning you know I, I, initially i was fascinated by boxing trainers and then they all bs and lie Mm. but I'm really fascinated with fighters like I'm fascinated what makes them tick I'm fascinated what what really drives them to be athletes to be to be the best that they can be and I'm just really blessed so to to answer your question I guess also I think I've also got an eye for talent right. where I really really can spot someone and project him to be a future star and um, I've often got it wrong, but most of the time I've got it right. Boxing is one of those sports where we proclaim stars before they really are stars. Yes. But as a manager, I suppose we have to sell our fighters. But I just absolutely am fascinated by athletes, by the boxers
0: but what is so impressive about what you've done is you've spent many of your own funds you've gone overseas you've you've rubbed shoulders with the with world-class people in the sport who know it all who've been there before and you've invested a lot of your own time your effort your money just to go and improve your situation and obviously it's paying rich dividends for you it just shows where where the passion is and just how much you want to try and put in give your all to your fighters and your boxers and the people that you manage
2: well, I've had some great teachers over the years and some great mentors. My um, a former promoter who we unfortunately fell out, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it. Mm. And then Freddie Roach was just phenomenal. He really, really was a phenomenal person in my career. And then also, just, you, you, you know what? I think also being friendly and being nice to certain people and, to, and not certain people, to boxing people, because you just never know when the next opportunity comes. Of course. And you, there's, there's no excuse for not being humble in sports. Be humble, say hello, put a smile on your face, be friendly. You know, you're not always going to get on with people, and you're not always going to like people, and they're not always going to like you and get on with you. But you can still do business with them because that's smart business, and you want to see fighters' benefits. And, and I, think, I think of the years I've always said, like, people, you know, I have been lucky, but I've created my own luck. Mm. And also having said that, no one's given me my personality to achieve. And and I think the success is built on relationships. Um, My fighters trust me, they trust me with their lives, they trust me with their careers and how to steer them. And and I think that trust uh, and the transparency between manager, trainer, and fighter is so crucial for that fighter to be successful. And if you look at the fighters in my career that have been loyal to me over the years, they've mm. done exceptionally,
0: exceptionally well. We'll get into all of that after the break. We're going to pay the rent shortly. Just a reminder to our listeners, if you have a question for Colin, if you'd like to share an experience or something that you'd like to know about the world of boxing, here is your platform. Here's your opportunity. 614 the WhatsApp number, or indeed the SAFM studio line 0860-002032. Chatting to Colin Nathan, boxing promoter and trainer. More after this.
1: Let's go ringside on Top Sport with Michael Abramson on SAFM.
0: Continuing our chat with Colin Nathan. Colin, you mentioned before the break that... Obviously, it's the training element, but also getting into management, which you've done in the the last couple of years. I just wanted to ask you about the transition and taking on another mantle, so to speak, and another string to your bow. How different have you found that experience, transitioning into management with your company, No Doubt Management, that you've set up uh, compared to to training and sort of having an active hands-on situation in the gym itself?
2: Man, it's a lot of time, it's a lot of time. It takes up a lot of my time Obviously, I'm still very passionate about coaching, and that's obviously just what drives me and just obviously getting the best deals from a management perspective and representing my fighters to the best of my ability. So I find it fascinating actually. Like, I find the business aspect of the sports, you know, just dealing with different personality types and various you know, roots in terms of where you can get fighters placed and how you work the world ratings. Mm. I've been finding it very challenging, but it's obviously been very, very prosperous and beneficial to me for obviously starting this company, which is about five years old. Right. And it just keeps on growing. I mean, if you look at the success we've had and, and the fighters we've had and getting the opportunities we've had, it's just been nothing short of breathtaking. I'm very, very proud of my achievements, particularly as a manager. And I think... I think I'm still in the starting blocks, to be honest with you, Michael. I think there's wow. just so much more in store, and yeah, I'm very revved up and hyped up for it.
0: Let's just talk about a, a couple of your fighters, obviously. Heckey Budler uh, fighting for a world title later this year. I want you to talk to us about that situation and also about the step aside and and how that influences your decision-making in terms of both managing and training.
2: So Hickey's my signature guy. I mean, I made no secret about it. He's the guy who gave me a... He took one hell of a risk with me. He took a chance, I was very unproven at the time. And we had the ability and, and the belief in love and passion, obviously, to grow together. And Heck, he's my guy. You know, I was catching this with him yesterday, and I actually couldn't believe, sorry, two days ago, and I mm. couldn't believe, like, this is my guy. This is my signature guy, and we've done all over the world. We've produced great results. He's produced great results with me being in the corner. And it's just been a fantastic, fantastic journey and relationship. I really think he's going to be champion of the world by the end of the year. I really, really do. Um, with regards to him being number one, and obviously we, we, we got offered a step-aside fee. Now, how it works in boxing is we got the next shot. But we allowed the champion to do a voluntary defense right. for a step-aside fee. Now, when you asked me, was it a difficult decision? Well, boxing's a business. Is People need to understand that. It's not just for fun. You know, guys put their lives on the line when they step through those ropes and they can walk into the ring one way and they might leave the ring never being the same way that they walked into the ring. So it's a very, very serious business. And I take my career and my training and my coaching and my managing exceptionally seriously. So when we got off as a step aside fee, which was a lot of money, um, there was just no ways. I spoke to Hickey and I said, look, you know, we can't turn this kind of fee down, which we haven't. And now we've been promised by Tekken Promotions. We're doing a warm-up fight now on 6th of May here in Ormondi right. for Boxing 5. Um, it's a keep-busy contest, which is a must-win situation for us in catch catchweight division of 109 pounds. There, after in August, we're off to expand to fight Taraji. And that's for the three belts, the Ring Magazine belt, the WBC, and the WBA. We have to get through May 6, and I really, really believe that heki has got one last run in a world championship, and I think he's right. got the beating of Taraji. Oh,
0: well, that sounds really fantastic. We've got a call from one of our listeners, or a voice note, in fact, for you, Colin, so I'll ask you just to listen in. Let's play this in now, and you can respond.
3: Good evening, Michael, and a very good evening to you, Colin. I just wanted to say that uh, I think this show is uh, absolutely wonderful, a magnificent variety, of uh, of guests and everybody comes across very nicely. Colin, I've always um, been an admirer of the the heavy muscular boxers. I mean, I understand that sometimes they may not necessarily be as quick um, as a totally blind person. I'm I'm always fascinated though in the way that they move and the skills and speed and pre- precision that they do have for such big muscular men. And um, Some of them, I understand, look a bit like big gladiators in the way that they go about their business. I I was just wondering, in terms of heavyweight, what is the best fight you've ever witnessed live where both boxers have pushed each other to the very limit? Thank you very much. This is Dean from Harare. It's
2: a very interesting question. Which heavyweight fights have I seen where both fighters have been pushed to the limit? Well, I was very fortunate... Well, I don't think both fighters were pushed to the limits. Haseem Rachman, in 2001, in April, fought uh, Lennox Lewis at Carnival City. And it was called Thunder in Africa. And if you recall, Lewis was a heavy, heavy favorite. But he ended up getting knocked out in the fifth round with a right hand from Hassim Rachman, which is still one of the greatest upsets in heavyweight boxing history. Of course, Lennox reversed, uh, reversed the roles in the, in the rematch and knocked him out of four rounds. But that was probably one of the greatest heavyweight fights in terms of magnitude that I've ever seen. In terms of actual being live at a heavyweight fight, where it was just give and take both ends, um, well, it was a cruiserweight fight, Sebastian Rothman, Ilmarais, 1999. So it wasn't really heavyweights, but it was a division below that. And those guys just pounded each other for, I think it was 10 rounds. And that ended up being South African fights of the year in 1999. Um, it was a portuguese Hall, and it was just fantastic both guys took turns and banging each other so i hope that answers your question
0: dean thanks so much for your your question a very very distinct voice that dean has and he's probably going to be a guest on our show in a little while and we'll talk about him down the line so Dean from Harari, thank you so much. Colin, we're going to pay the rent one more time. Uh, There seems to be a, a lot of interest in the boxing segment on the show, so we'll do that quickly, and then we'll round up the interview. I have a few more questions for you after this.
1: Go ringside on Top Sport with Michael Abramson on SAFM
0: chatting to Colin Nathan. Colin, we could chat for hours about this particular topic and your knowledge is, is superb and I think the listeners are really enjoying it. We're getting voice notes coming in left, right and center. So I'm going to have to run through my questions quickly for you. I'll am going to i ask this as a double-barreled question. Obviously, uh, one of your big fighters, the special one, Stevenati Nonchinga, uh, I want you to talk just briefly about the experience, where you helped him win the IBF junior flyweight title against Hector Flores on points in Mexico in September last year and also also the status of his potential fight against Suganob or Sugarnob, or however you pronounce it, in the IBF Junior Flyweight World Title fight later this year. Can you maybe just deal with both of those quickly, if you don't mind?
2: Sure. Well, Subunati reached out to me when he was 15, and still an amateur, and we we'll still got the message on my inbox messenger on Facebook where he asked me, do I only work with professionals or do I work with amateurs? And I said to him, look, I only work with professionals, but stay in touch with me because you never know. Then his dad approached me last year, December, and asked me to take over his son. And we started a wonderful relationship. I mean, the kid's just a hard worker, very disciplined, very humble, hard, you know, just a hard puncher as well. And with regards to him becoming champion of the world, it was like a dream come true, you know. Um, Every fighter dreams of becoming a world champion and putting money in the bank. And he's on his way to doing both. So, very impressed with him, very impressed with the fact that he pulled it out. Um, he was really, really in deep in Mexico, and he pulled it out against all the odds. And then, with regards to his fight with Suganob,
3: that right.
2: fight has been signed and sealed for June 16th in the Eastern Cape. Um, Rumble Africa Promotions and myself have put that fight together. It's been hard, hard work, but Tsubunab has already started training camp for this fight. And it's really already looking superb.
0: That's fantastic. We wish you all the best for that. Let's go to a voice note. One more question for you, Colin, from a listener.
1: Good evening, guys. Um, I just want to just ask this question. We've seen so many boxers around the world and um, they succeed, but in Africa, it's rare to find someone who's gonna be consistent and be dominating in in a division where they they're just gonna dominate for plus minus five years or so why is it so difficult for 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 african boxers not necessarily south african but africa as a whole why is it difficult for them to to succeed and dominate around the world, like your Mayweather uh, and so on, why, why is it so difficult? Thanks. It's Sina here from Willowville in the Eastern Cape.
0: Okay, Colin,
2: all yours? That, that's a great question. That's a great question. We've never really truly had an African star where I talk about like a guy like Manny Pacquiao from the Philippines, who turned into a global star. Uh, we've never really, really had that. And, and it's a great question. Why is there no longevity in any, any Africa fighter who can dominate for five years? Now, I don't know if it's the situation of us not commanding major networks like Sky, like The Zone, like um, Showtime. I mean, HBO is no longer in existence. But obviously, those fighters in America absolutely dominate those networks, and they really, really are special. I think African fighters have the X-Factor, and I think we're talented and good enough to contest for world titles and win them. I think the platforms are starting to open up, and it's always been my dream to have like an African patio, like an African fighter. You can go out whack out a guy on Showtime or uh, PBC or DAZN or uh, Sky or one of those big platforms and absolutely dominate. That's my dream. That's my goal. I'm not going to stop until I get that goal. Will I achieve it? I believe I will, but it's a really, really good question, because in terms of longevity, a lot of the fighters can't dominate their divisions for for a longer period of time. And I I actually agree with that that, that call-in and the voice notes.
0: Well, thank you so much, listeners, for your interaction. There are plenty of voice notes coming through. We'll have to invite Colin back on the show pretty soon to continue our chat on boxing. Colin, it's been... It's been really great having you on the show. I can hear the passion in your voice when you talk about something that you love so much. And best of luck with everything going forward, with all the with all the challenges, with all the exciting times. Uh, they call you Nomaganjani, and we'll we'll get into that in a future interview. But thanks for your time tonight. And hopefully you've educated, informed, and let listeners appreciate the sport of boxing a lot more. Best of luck with everything going forward. And thank you again for your time.
2: Really appreciate being on your platform. Thanks for having me on. God bless to you and the listeners, and we'll chat again soon. Take care. Look ah.
0: forward to it. That's Colin Nathan, boxing promoter and trainer, and a man who knows plenty about his sports, and he's brought on and produced so many top-class fighters, so hopefully they go from strength to strength. We're going to listen now to some of your voice notes to see what you thought about the quiz question I posed tonight.
1: Uh, evening, Mike. I think the team's that got of 2018, to 1996-1997 was in the Warriors and the Zulu Royal Tigers, a team that was based in the KZN in that season. And then I think it what happened to Chelsea was expected, because Chelsea is just a laughingstock of its former glory. And I think the current people who are in charge of Chelsea are just there for money and for status. Same as the guys who are in charge of men, Chester United, and there's no sign that any coach, even if they can employ a different coach, come next season, Chelsea will be the best best team in the upcoming season. So I think it's Chelsea. What we must expect to see Chelsea getting relegated come next season if they survive this season. Because Michael, anything can happen this season around. Thank you. This is T G. Good evening, Brother Mike. It's from Monagel Farm. ninety-six, ninety-seven season. Meaning Rangers wonder league. Mikao Warriors and Witt bengese got relegated. Thanks.
0: Well, thank you so much, listeners. So many calls, so many messages coming through. We can't uh, talk about all of them, but thank you for participating. Great to hear your thoughts on that. I'll give you the answer in a moment. Also, plenty of questions for Colin. Obviously, we only have a limited time on the show, so... We'll get through everything in the days and weeks ahead. Stay tuned every night because we always have different surprises for you on the show. We try and give you access to not only the big sports, but a lot of minor sports as well and try and whet your appetite a little bit and educate you a little bit about sports that you might not know that much about. So let's get to the answers. I asked you the first season of the new Premier Soccer League in the 1990s was won by Manning Rangers who ended eight points clear of second place Kaiser Chiefs. But which two teams were relegated in that first season? Well, some of you got one of the teams. Some of you got both of them. And I can th- sense that some listeners did it from memory. One or two of you might have looked up the answer. I don't know. But the correct answers were Whitbank Aces, in fact, lost 23 of their 34 matches that season to end on just 19 points right at the bottom of the table. And Michal Warriors is indeed the team from from Port Elizabeth, as it was known then. They ended on 35 points, just one point behind both Real Rovers and Val professionals who stayed up. Sadly, none of those sides exist anymore, and they've all dropped out of contention. But the answers were Whitbank Aces and Michal Warriors. Brian was our first caller to give me the correct answer, but well done for trying. Even if you got it wrong, you've learned something new. And if you have got it right, then fantastic. I bow to your knowledge of soccer. We'll have another quiz question for you tomorrow. Reminder, if you missed any of the interviews, if you want to hear the interview with Colin or with Joe about the Champions League or anything else, you can go to the SAFM website and tune in, download the interview on our podcast section and listen back to whatever sport you want to listen to. So that's it from us tonight. Hope whatever, whichever team you support does the business for you tonight. From my producer, Len Muleko, behind the controls, Mark Prella, and myself, Michael Abramson. It's been great to have your company